This episode of Video Games Hot Dog is brought to you by corn. It comes on ears, and you eat it. Corn. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And Kevin doesn't know what directories or Unix commands are. No, but isn't there, can't, is, can't cat get a list of files in certain OSs? I'm not just making that up, am I? I guess catalog gives a, this is like the second podcast in a row where we've talked about catalog on the Apple IIe. Yeah, right? Okay, you're right. But That's, it's not cat, it's catalog. Can't you type cat though? I don't think so. I mean, you can. You I don't could. know if it does that. <laughs> If you type cat and a cat appears, you might have the word processor of the gods from the Stephen King short story, Word Processor of the Gods. <laughs> Riff. Yes. How's it going, buddy? It's going going all right. Kevin's yeah. just fucking around with his phone instead of being Got here no, now. Uh, I am now looking up the see if you can um, see if you can fuck? make a cat with a. Hey, Jesus Jones, when and where are we doing a podcast? Oh, right here? Right now? You should tell Kevin that so that he starts fucking paying attention. No, there's, there, is, there is just a tremendous amount of weird shit that is like... Well, you're looking at the internet, so yes. Well, like, there are just a bunch of different Apple cat things. There's modems. Apple cat. Yeah, Apple cat. Apple 2E cat. Do you ever have a Q cat? Uh, no, I, I remember seeing the ads for them. And it always seemed, it seemed like something that I wanted, but I wasn't sure why or what I would do with it. Yeah. Like QR codes. Yeah. I want one of those <laughs> tattooed on my face, but I don't know what it would say. Oh man, if you just got a QR code that resolved to the word face and put it on your face, that would be kind of funny. In, uh, in Dark Souls, there's a place where you run into like a horse-drawn carriage, but there's no horse and somebody put it sign down where the where the horse would have been that just said horse <laughs> How, well why what? can you use the word horse uh there is a boss that is horses so i guess if you want if you want to leave a message about i don't know watch out for horse or something like so you that have, then you that have would a very be legit limited vocabulary yeah for those signs okay or tongue horse butthole yes tongue horse comma but hole why is tongue uh, there is also a boss that can uh, attack you with its tongue. Okay. I don't know about this uh, messaging system. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? Cat. Just cat. cat. <laughs> only you would only be able to use the word cat. Yep. Okay. Have you guys done anything interesting since the last time we recorded a video games hot dog podcast about video games, which is what we're doing, episode number one hundred and forty-eight? Well, wait. So let's go back to this Dark Souls language thing. Okay. So with with even a single lexical sort of notation system, you could you could make an arbitrary language, right? Because like with just unary, right? You know, one equals a and two equals b, right? So like you'd need to be able to put in spaces, right? You'd need like cat and fart. So like. Cat equals A. No. Cat, cat equals B. Cat, cat, cat equals C. Each sign is a letter. The 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 problem you would run into if you're trying to do this in Dark Souls 2 is that yeah. you're also very limited in the number of words and clauses you can use. Okay. You get like two clauses and so you get – for, cla for clause A, you're given a choice of like – 
beware of dot, 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 or watch out for dot, 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 okay. or try dot, dot, dot. And then the dot, dot, dot is filled in with whatever word you choose from the list. Is watch out for fireballs from <sighs> Dark Souls? I don't think Watch so. out for fireballs is from the movie The Wizard, where uh, uh, there is a montage of them montage? getting advice from... What? Nothing. <laughs> is there something wrong with the way that I say montage? <laughs> Fromage. It's buttery smooth. Fromage montage. But, uh, yeah. um, oh, wow. oh, man. Wow. A, a fromage montage. That's like my uh, <laughs> being trampled by a bunch of military horses. I still think that my idea of a spell where a wizard makes a cool hairstyle for himself out of cheese called fromage mage fro is pretty much the best joke that's ever been uh, written. Pretty good. That's anyway, right. there right. is a there is a fromage of them re- like uh, getting help from the Nintendo hotline, and the last I thing see. that the man says, the the beleaguered man getting out binder after binder to answer the exhaustive list of questions that the that the dedicated girl is asking uh, says, "Watch out for fireballs." Hmm. Do you think that Nintendo funded this movie a hundred percent? I don't know. Okay. I don't really know anything about the the genesis 80s. of the wizard. We should show the wizard at Zapcon. Hmm. Hmm. Do we have a room where we can show arbitrary films? Well, yes. I mean, we have a room. Okay. And we have a projector that's connected to a DVD player. I don't know that we have a room where we can legally show arbitrary films. Well, if nobody's there, we could show it, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's not for public <laughs> exhibition. All right, well, I'm just going to play it. There's yeah. nobody here. Just shine the projector into a black box. <laughs> just shine the, the projector in into a black box. Yeah, so you, so nobody can see it. You've just you're just beaming the film into a little opaque box. But it wouldn't be black anymore. And then it stays in. It there. would be the wizard. It's black on the and outside. The, you have a box full of the movie The Wizard. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah! Wow! Like you like if you just throw all the photons in. Yeah. That are the wizard, yeah, and then it's just up to later generations to decode them. Yeah, to, yeah, to the they have to open it very carefully so that they get the photons in the right order. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, like getting Jesus's voice off of that pot that was being thrown while Jesus was talking that one time, hmm. which happened in the historical document, another roadside attraction. I wow, that's weird. I just recently brought that idea up in a different kind of form. Um, a friend of mine was. So a friend of a friend of a friend ha, uh, works at a library, and they a had, friend of a friend of a sailor. Yes, a friend of a friend works at a library, and they had a bunch of um, extremely old records, um, like I think maybe just the original wax versions okay. or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that they couldn't play um, because they were worried about ruining them. Okay, but they wanted to know what audio was on them because they were unlabeled, hmm. and so my friend just took those records and put them on a flatbed scanner scanned them and then used um math to convert it into sound huh. um and played them and you could you could it was scratchy but you could you could totally make out what was what was on the records a lot of it was actually spoken poetry which is weird if you um, could make out it must have been a velvet underground record. Sure. <laughs> i i read a story once about uh you know that james randy thing where they had the the million dollar Challenge yeah. to see if still I think to, it's still to, ongoing. I think yeah, it is uh, to, to see if anyone could dollars. scientifically That's how he is. to uh, see if anybody could scientifically prove like the existence of anything bizarre phenomena, yeah, supernatural phenomena, and a guy arranged to 
take the test. I don't think it was because he thought that he had a supernatural, but there were people that, that had that like this, this guy had demonstrated the ability to determine what music was on a record just by kind of looking at it. And, and I guess, I don't know how it became a thing for the Randy Institute or whatever. I, I guess somebody thought that maybe it was a supernatural thing and Hey, you should go see if you can make a million (laughs) dollars. But, uh, but they did the test and it turned out, yeah, he was just holding it up to the light a certain way and, and seeing like the, How the the, how, how the grooves were aligned and, and was familiar enough with, music that he knew that certain patterns of grooves indicated certain kinds of sounds so the groove was in his heart yes exactly in the, in his heart and in his eyes so he was able to actually identify records just by looking at them yeah pretty much i don't believe kind this of story at all it was it, it was not just it, was, it wasn't like any record i think it was he it was limited to like classical albums so oh. like he could tell he could tell what the composer of this particular classical album was, something like that. Huh. I, I don't know that he could tell, like, I don't know, Pearl Jam from R.E.M. or anything like that. But Who can? Am yeah. I right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Huh. Anyway, I was going to say that uh, I wonder if it would be possible to capture, uh, I don't know, like the sounds of dinosaurs in tree sap or something if you could huh you could read audio waves that were impressed into anything that was malleable while they were forming i mean i think the reason that a record works is because the method of encoding is the same as the method of decoding right and that because the wax cylinder needs well okay but you can also like you can snoop in a conversation in a room by shining a laser at the window right like that's not Right, but you can't do that later and reconstruct the okay, conversation. Which is why some, uh, that's why like it would have to be very specific <clears throat> material, like mm-hmm. amber or a pot being thrown. No, or but something. I'm saying it's not it, like if you have a wax recording cylinder sitting on a shelf, yeah. and you have a conversation next to it, you can't then go back and reconstruct that yeah, conversation the, based the on the wax. You need aren't... You need the input method for the recording to be the same as the output method for the recording. Same. It just has to. It has to actually leave some kind of right. The audio waves themselves are not strong enough to impress themselves onto the recording medium. Because you know, are you are you saying that because we are recording this into microphones, the only way to hear it is to play it back through a speaker, which is effectively a microphone in reverse? I am, uh, in fact, saying exactly that. Okay. All right. We we've made it digital, man. We've broken all the rules. <laughs> um, yeah. Now the sure. idea in another roadside attraction was that because someone was spinning a pot and happened to for a moment with it, with like their drag their fingernail down and make a groove in the pot right. while he was speaking, it's it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, it's and not, it might not have even been another roadside attraction. It might have been a different Tom Robbins book. It's not that ridiculous. I, like everyone who has ever read a Tom Robbins book, was high as fuck the entire time. <laughs> everyone who has ever read or written a Tom <laughs> Robbins everyone, book. Everything involved in Tom Robbins. Yeah, it's Robbins. like that pizza from that Onion article. Every, like the publisher, the person who made the glue. He was high on sniffing glue. Yeah. Oh, okay. I read about how to uh, open a book without fucking up the book. 
Oh, nice. How does that work? To how to not break the spine? Yeah. Yeah, it's just. I have lived my whole life not breaking spines. Yeah, I never have either. But oh man, I have. Every time I just every time I buy a new book, I'm like, it. I'm gonna open this to the center page and just fuck it all. Bam. Yeah. Yeah. You and just then crunch. You just open it and you hold it. What? How? How hard is it? Like it's when you take the book and you like fucking fold it back on itself and you hold it with one <laughs> hand while you like yeah. smoke a stogie. Reading. <laughs> Reading no. is the act that you're describing. No, Reading a book. No, you. I think what you mean is ruining, <laughs> where you happen to also catch some of the words. Don't you? I mean, is it just me? Or are you guys not like scratching the words out with a pen as you read them? <laughs> well, it is important in order to actually understand a book to be able to take the words out in the same way that they were put in. Yeah. So you have to like remove the ink. <laughs> <laughs> I just cut each word out with a scalpel and then put it in my scrapbook. My scrapbook, which is just a copy of every book I've ever read. Yeah, but then you can only read the front half of every page. <laughs> uh, I thought you were just going to put them in alphabetically. And like, I was like, hmm. No, I just cut it out dedication. really carefully. I only just take half of the sheet. Oh, wow. That is, that is really careful. It's hardcore. Uh, have you guys been doing anything? Thing in the last week you flew on an airplane from san francisco to arizona yeah i didn't even notice i like sat in the plane started playing my ds and then we were landing i was like wow that was fast nice it's, it's a short flight i had an experience where i looked on the website and saw a readout of where your plane was and then i looked out the window of my house and saw your plane and i was pretty sure like i saw it and I, oh you, you saw as it. i saw a plane turning 90 degrees in the approximate area where it showed you on the map, the plane on the map turned 90 degrees. And I was like, fucking A. Wow. That's the plane that, that's Magic. The plane that Kevin is on. The future. That is crazy. <laughs> I uh, I inhabited, I, I uploaded my consciousness to a robot today. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you were wandering around the Campo Santo office on I their was. cool, cool telepresence robot. That thing is super fucking rad. <laughs> It is it is dumb, but it is also just incredibly rad. Yes. Like both those attributes increased as they put a T-shirt on yeah, it. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so it's basically a a stripped down Segway with a post coming up the top. Speaking and, of which, <laughs> uh, and an iPad on the on the top of it. And is it an iPad? I think it's literally. Do you an iPad. produce? Do you provide your own iPad? I don't think so. I think it's part of the twenty five hundred dollar purchase price mm. from Double Robotics. Um, hey, no, we're not getting paid. That's fine. This thing was magical. Uh, so I went to a web page in Chrome. And I selected selected the robot on the map because it just shows up and shows you where it is in the world. And then it well, suddenly my consciousness was uploaded to it. Can you access other people's robots? Uh, you, If you had a bunch of them and they were in different places in the world, you could access them from a single interface. Okay. So it's based on like your login, how whatever robots are associated with your okay. login. Okay. So it only it only shows you the the robots right. that you've been given access to. I mean, okay. but the double robotics people can just look at anybody's robots. Uh -oh, everyone oh, who no. has one of these is part of a hive mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you like you the, the screen pops open and you are in a fucking first person shooter where it's your it's an office in San Francisco <laughs> and you're, you use WASD to move around and. You can like raise and lower the robot so that you get a different view. It's not really WASD because that thing can't strafe, right? Uh, so, so I mean, it, it's, you use it's WASD. old school. It's it, so it is WASD, but it's, but it's like rotating. Wolfenstein 3D style sure. WASD, where left and right rotate instead yes. of. There's no. It's not direct strafing, um, but the the motion is pretty impressive, especially if you like 
start moving around instead of just trying to like inch forward, inching forward. It does not like as much. Um, and it gets over the carpets it, and stuff. It has a little bit of trouble with the, the sort of hardwood and like thick rug carpet interface, but it, it did fine. Can you do something that will make it comically spin its wheels trying to get away from a situation? And <laughs> I think so. Yeah. If anytime there's a predator, it just automatically does that. <laughs> if you, can you do a thing where you run it off the edge of a cliff and it isn't until it the hangs. iPad swivels down yeah. that gravity applies to it. Uh, it has, it basically uses the, the back camera of the iPad to uh, give you a, a view straight down. Uh, so that you can actually see what kind of obstacles you might have to traverse um, as you roll around. How is it that it does... <sighs> With a mirror. Oh, okay. Uh, I was super impressed. Um, Did you accomplish anything while you were using it? You gave me a little tour. Yeah, I gave, Spo- I said I gave Riff a tour email. of the office, which is super cool. I introduced him to the people, the Campo Santo folks. Yeah. Which was cool. I I got to teleconference with uh, Nels, <laughs> who was, was in Vancouver, good. and it was two robots facing each other. I mean, well, a robot versus a, a, a webcam and a monitor. It was great. It was. It was great. Great and grand and rad. It was rad. And all of those things. It was great. Grad. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I would spend twenty five hundred dollars to be able to do that, but. I kind of want to. I, well, and the thing that I was thinking is like, why are there not people renting out $5 per minute to be able to go to, you know, truck around like the the Great Wall of China mm-hmm. or, or St. Peter's Basilica? The, yeah, or, or like the places in the Vatican that, that oh, yeah, that, that random people aren't go. allowed to go. And yeah, like you get a little flashlight on it, you can explore catacombs and stuff. Like, this is this is the future, man. Like, I mean, call me when they have one with a dick on it. <laughs> I, we could hang one. We could hang like a little. Yeah, but that's not rubber I want one that I can control. So teledildonics. That's that's something that exists. Hmm. Have you guys played any video games? Um, I played a pretty nice little iPad game called Monument Valley. Me oh, too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm only halfway through it because I'm rationing it. Mm. Yeah, but it's pretty short. You tell the people about it. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, sort of an ad- not really an adventure. Game. It's a puzzle game where you're a little uh, a little white robed and white pointy capped princess wandering around this sort of M.C. Escher like environment, sort of Penrose Triangle sort of environment where the where the paths connect to each other in unexpected ways and. Uh, you mean sort of like Naya's quest or whatever that Terry Kavanaugh did? Uh, Less. Yeah. Right? Because it's I the mean, same yes, isometric-ish. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, but well. not. This is like taking everything that is good about that, whereas Naya's quest took everything that was bad about that. It's more like, what was that other one we played that was all, that was black and white and difficult? Oh, yeah. The braid, like, like bridge. When, what was The bridge. bridge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh and so it's it's basically you, it's like fez. I mean, this is yeah, just it's fez. also kind of like fez. fez babies. Okay, <laughs> and it's good because I'm a baby. Yeah. It, it, Does it is it? Are, are you a little two D actor in a three D space? No. Okay. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a sprite. Okay. But it's and, not. It, it so it looks like fez, but it's always at it's sort it's of always, always at the, a, on a diagonal. Yeah. Okay. And you're and some of the you know there it gives you like. 
occasionally there'll be a knob that you can turn or drag to to change the orientation of some of the paths and and that's okay. that's how the puzzles work is trying to figure out how to get the little From princess point a to, point to a to a door yeah and it uses a kind of perspective that nothing would ever really look like that mm-hmm. right it only it it looked graphically really <clears throat> quite compelling it's very beautiful oh, it's real in pretty. the demos yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like there's not a lot of places to go with it. And so what they did was they were like, well, we're going to go everywhere that this can go. And it's going to be about a half hour long. Yeah. And the end, much. like, yep. this is what we this is. This is the good game that we can make with this idea. And yep. so rather than. Yeah, there's no, no it out filler. and Doing yeah. the same thing four or five times. We're just going to, like, make this the game that it needs to be. Hmm. And it's like two bucks or something. Yeah, four. Really? Three ninety nine. Well, gosh. Anyway, it's worth it. Yeah. It's very relaxing. I've been saving. I've been playing like a level a day. Because okay. it makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. <laughs> you playing it on iPad? Yes. I guess it's on the phone, too. I think that it's better on the iPad. Yeah, surely. Would it be also better on the iWall? No, because you'd need to be able to, like... I don't want to have to run around to, like, drag a lever from one side of the room to the other and back. Well, you control it with your eye remote or whatever, your eye controller. Just a robot that follows your dick around? Yes. Okay. Huh. What else? Uh, that's pretty much it. Just that and more Dark Souls. So you've only play- you played the half an hour of video games all week, except another Except another, yeah, Souls. million hours of Dark Souls. Are you not I mean, done with it yet? Uh, I am nearly done. I'm getting into the end game. Okay. After what something like 130 hours. <laughs> but I mean, you're not going to be done, right? You're going to be new game plus. And then no, new game nah. Plus plus. I, I mean, I will eventually, but not immediately. I want to. I want to play the new stuff in in uh, Diablo three. Mm. You have a queue that you're trying to work through. Uh, Dark Souls than Diablo three. Yeah, that's Is that's it the alphabetic. Queue. I mean. <laughs> But yeah, that's, after, that's... after that, you're going to play Dunstan Checks In the video <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could talk about the PvP system a little bit if you want to hear about that. It's I do. Dark Souls interesting. Too? Yeah. Yeah, tell me more. So there's, um, there's nine factions, except that's not their word for it. I can never remember what the actual word they use is. It starts with a C. Yeah. It's not like concordance, something like that. Maybe I'll think of it while I'm talking about it. So, um, and each one of these nine factions, uh, except for, for one of them, but that one by a mission, I suppose. So each one of these, I'll, I'll start this sentence over. <laughs> each one of these nine factions is concerned with the multiplayer of the, of the game. So one in a different way. Okay. So there's one faction that, is the exception to this rule because it's entirely the PVE faction in, in which as you as you rank up in this faction, you get access to some little bonus dungeons and a bonus boss if you beat all of them. Covenants. Covenants, that's it. Thank you. And uh, there's another faction or covenant whose deal is that being a member of this covenant makes you unable to summon any players to help you. Wow. And the game is automatically a step, like a new game plus step more difficult, but you get an, you get an item that tracks all the best players of this faction by name. So like you get a leaderboard that you can, that you can check at any time and, and see if you're on it. 
Um, what does the leaderboard measure? Uh, I'm not Progress? sure. Uh, I that would be static pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, my initial was... guess would be soul memory, which is the the total number of souls you have ever accumulated. Okay. Um, I don't know that for certain. And then there's another faction. Uh, the uh, the uh, I've forgotten the, all of their real names, but they're called the Sun Bros. Uh, colloquially, which is the players that you level up in that, uh, uh, I've forgotten the word again. Covenant? Okay. Covenant. You level up in that covenant by helping other players kill bosses. Okay. And, uh, helping other players kill bosses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> helping them it's a real what? sausage party. <laughs> they, um, when you, when you're a member of that covenant, when you put your, your, uh, your tag on the ground so that other people can summon you it's like golden instead of just white and you get like a gold aura when you're in other people's games and and you get uh you know as you as you kill help people kill more bosses you rank up in this covenant and you unlock some prizes okay so this is like the, a lot of these are just to help encourage multiplayer activity well those those three those three are like yeah that Pretty much all of them is multiplayer activity in some way. So those those three are the ones that are either not involved or like PVE. Okay. All the rest of them are PvP based. So there's there's two items in the game. There's a cracked red eye orb, which the purpose of it is when you use it, it teleports you into somebody else's game for you to try to kill them. Okay. And there's a cracked blue eye orb, which is the same thing, but it it's limited to players that have a lot of sin, which is uh, an invisible attribute you get by invading and killing other players and by killing friendly NPCs. So, so the blue eye, so the blue orb is like to punish players who have been okay. killing a lot of other players. So there's there's a a covenant called the Brotherhood of Blood, whose deal is that. When they use a cracked red eye orb to invade somebody and kill them, they get a, I think, like a token of spite, I think it's called. And they can spend those tokens to initiate duels with other members of the, the Blood Brothers. Okay. And the winner of that duel gets rank in the, uh, in the Covenant. Okay. Um, and plus, like, a, I think you get a free red eye orb as well. And then there's a Covenant that's... Um, the blue something or others, the blue champions or something who rank up by killing, uh, sinful. Yeah. People. By killing sinful players. And then there's, they have a sister covenant called way of the blue, which is the covenant for cowards. Okay. Where if somebody invades a member of the way of the blue, it automatically summons a member of the champ blue champions to defend them. So when you use a blue orb, you're just taking the game's word for it that the person whose game you've invaded is a sinner. Yes. Do you know whose game it is? Is the person whose game it is identified to you? You get their uh, their PlayStation Network handle. Okay. Uh, Spick Nasty 420. Yeah, or whatever. And then does that like show up over their head in the... It, it te when you first warp in, it says you have entered the world of player... No, I, I I understand that you know their name, but how do you know? Is it only you and them? Are there only ever two people in a game? It's, or I mean, unless they summon more people into their game, they could, for example, summon a a, a sunbro 
to to help them kill you. Huh. Huh. So then can you tell the difference between them and the sun bro? Like, do you know that the, the person you're killing is a sinner? The, um, well, assuming that they don't summon anyone else, you know that they're a sinner because you were there, right? But if they uh, summoned, uh, summoned players like phantoms, they're not textured the same as normal players. They're, they're like, Depending on how they were summoned, like uh, when you're invaded by by a red eye orb user, they're all kind of red and glowy, and like if you summon a sunbro, they're all yellow and glowy. Are you when when you go into somebody else's game? Are you within eye shot of them immediately, or uh, not necessarily? It, I mean, it depends on where they're standing. I think each level has entrance points that okay. that you could potentially be summoned to. Um, Man, I want this game to come out on PC so I will know what the fuck anyone is ever talking about <laughs> ever again. So okay, so there's it's those those three covenants that kind of work together, and then so there's there's three more. There's the uh, the covenant of the dragon. Uh, their deal is that they rank up by sacrificing uh, items, the uh, dragon scales specifically, and they have like a real low drop rate from real rare monsters i think you're unlikely to get more than one in a playthrough probably but they can put a mark on the ground so that other people can summon them to fight a duel and then the winner of that duel gets a dragon scale and also they have the ability to invade players who have dragon scales and they get and they steal one if they kill the guy okay and then the other two are sort of arena PvP focused. There's the uh, the the bell tower keepers, which in in this game, same as in the previous Dark Souls, there's two bell tower areas. And if you if you are a member of the the bell tower covenant and wearing your covenant ring, then if somebody somebody else in their game enters one of these bell towers, there's a chance that you will be summoned to the bell tower to attempt to kill them, to to stop them from getting to the other end of the level. Okay. And that is uh, two versus one PvP. So there's chance of two bell tower keepers being summoned to try and kill you when you're in the bell tower. And interestingly, the way they make sure that there's always enough bell tower players to go around is that the reward that the bellkeeper gets for killing a guy is like mid to high level tier crafting material that everybody is always going to need some of so there's always players that need that so there's always plenty of bell tower keepers around to to gank people as they're trying to run through these areas and they're they're optional areas so you right. don't have to do it but they're very helpful is all this explained like do you know this because you have a guidebook or do you know this because you figured it out through play or it like- you it vaguely tells you what's happening in the game like when you join the bell tower keepers, it'll say, you know, we have to defend the bell. Here's a ring. Defend the bell. Okay. Don't let people ring the bell. Okay. And, <laughs> and so if you, you've got this ring, maybe you put it on, maybe you wander around, and then you find yourself getting summoned. And so you gradually figure out how this works. I mean, I know in more detail because I've been enjoying, like, kind of surfing Reddit and and forum posting with other people about sure. this stuff. Uh, 
and then the last the last uh, covenant is the uh, rat brothers. So there's these two optional areas that are sort of very dungeony, sort of not not very mazy, but they're sort of tunnely filled with rats and traps kind of areas. And the deal there is that if if you're a rat bro wearing the rat bro ring in a rat bro area, then when somebody else enters the same rat bro area, they get summoned to you. And you're trying to kill them either directly or with traps before they get to the other end of the area. And in addition to like ranking up in the covenant as you kill people, you also get lock stones that let you unlock more traps. So it's like a tower defense kind of thing. I see. Is the place full of rats and traps also full of parts and tarps? Uh, uh, I don't have a funny answer to that. That's pretty good though. <laughs> I thought maybe they had a theme. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, the one, one is more directly rat oriented than the other. The other one is more like dwarves, but. Well, dwarves are sort of like the rats of demi humans. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Not gnomes. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean. Gnomes are like mice. Overall, it's pretty interesting because no matter what kind of PVP you're into, or if you you just don't care about it at all, there's a different covenant that ascribes to that kind of style if i just start playing this video game are assholes gonna come in and just fuck me in half with a halberd almost never because uh the the matchmaking is made in, in the in your first game the matchmaking is just based on your soul level which is every time you pay souls to to gain a stat um, when you move into New Game Plus, it starts being based on your soul memory, which is all the souls you've ever had, no matter what you happen to spend them on. But uh, so, yeah, so you should not be match made against players that are wildly different level than you. And and it doesn't cross between first game and New Game Plus. So the you, you should not are encounter people not any... like constantly deleting their save files and slumming just to troll uh, I mean, you could start a new character and the fact that you're good at fighting now. Right, which has a like, lot more to do. I mean, your sure. damage output has a lot more to do with how good you are at the game than like what level you are, right? Yeah, probably. But I mean, I don't know how they could account for that. Right? I mean, what what sort of matchmaking system would you do that was entirely based well, on Well, I mean, I would want a matchmaking skill. system where I could just play a fucking video game and no other players would come and oh, ruin you, my experience. Okay, you don't want other players to ever invade. Well, you can disconnect from the network. Or you can also... Um, Doesn't it have always on DRM? Uh, no, you can play offline. Okay. Uh, there, there are also the objects, the... Um, uh, I cannot bring to mind immediately what they are called effigies, the human effigies right. or whatever that that revert you to being human when you have died. You can also burn them in a campfire to get one hour of no multiplayer. One hour? Yeah. Jesus. Which, I mean, you can also just go offline, but then you don't get fun messages on the ground, you know? I kind of want to make an NPC in a game who's always waiting in a queue whose name is Dr. M, and he's like... Why do people hate me so much? <laughs> I'm always online DRM. Huh? <clears throat> yep. <laughs> cool. Uh, Kevin, what have you been playing? Um, so I played... I've continued to play some Mercenary Kings. Um, 
that assignment that we didn't get very far into. Because uh, there's a lot of game there, and it's fun. It, like, scratches, like, a, a fun progression mm. itch. I, I, I should probably download that on on PS3 while it's free this month. Or, well, I guess because I have that thing, it will always be free for me. But I don't really understand what how thing? that works. Uh, the Whatever the paid subscription to the PlayStation Net, PlayStation Plus or whatever it is. Oh, right. Like as Every- long as you're a subscriber, you get for free anything that has ever been free while you are a subscriber? Yeah, something like that. So weird. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I well, it encourages a long-term subscription. I mean, it is, it is describable, so like it makes sense <laughs> in that it is a thing that you could articulate. You just but, did. Yeah, but it's weird. It's it's Why an easy it it's an easy thing to say. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing I think to justify, right? Like, like why do they? Why do some of them go out of rotation ever? I mean, I guess if the people that that have newly joined don't get access to the old free games. You only get the games that are free now and in the future. Well, now and in the future until you stop subscribing. Right, in which, at which point... You lose your whole library. Yeah, you lose the whole library. Oh, really? So if you cancel your subscription and then start it up again, you don't get access to any well, of the stuff that you have? I, I don't know. I don't know if they save that data or not. Yeah, well, see, that's like a weird... That's a weird question I, that you don't I would ask assume, about the model. I, would I mean, it would, so it would be like if there was... like. Okay, so you can subscribe to HBO and it's 20 bucks a month, but you can only watch movies that came out on HBO while you were subscribed. That would be super fucking weird Mm. if, like, HBO, like, when you start it, it's like one hour a day you get to watch a movie. That's an Mm. hour-long movie, apparently. (laughs) And then next week, when they've stopped showing one thing from, you know, the month before you started and they've added one new movie. Now you get to watch two hours of movies a day. They're the same two movies, but you know, <laughs> like that's, it's a weird. Y- y- okay. I'm trying, I'm trying to communicate this to you. Yeah. It makes sense, but yeah. it's fucking weird. It's a different <laughs> model than other situations, but I, I can totally understand the, the rationale behind it. Right. Like it creates interest in, the whatever PlayStation Plus program because like oh hey there's a there's this free game there's this game that if I just subscribe I can get to I can play that yeah, for yeah. free and if I wait until benefits. next month to subscribe that one might sure. not be free yeah. anymore you know what and you know what I, I guess it is I guess it. it's 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 Columbia House right like well except Columbia House you get billed for the one that they send you every yeah. month but I was trying that's to th- probably I was trying only to think about because it, like it's Netflix, like physical right? like, media I only get to watch streaming netflix as long as i continue to pay for their service yeah but you don't get to only watch the movies that have been that have hit streaming while you are a subscriber yeah that's 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 the one that's the one difference thing but it's it's because they don't charge on an individual basis for movies right like if netflix was primarily like Pay two dollars to watch a movie. So, so it's more akin to say Amazon Prime, right? Because Amazon does have Amazon is a thing where it has free movies that stream, but then you can also pay three bucks for a digital movies, product. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then that's weird because it's a rental. Yep, but it's man. Uh, anyway, so mercenary the values games, of products. <laughs> uh, as I've continued, mean to, in this continued to play it, uh, more systems have unfolded. So, how much does a shotgun cost? It's more that how much does a shotgun weigh? So there, mm. like encumbrance becomes a thing, and you start slowing way the fuck down if you have like slow. heavy, heavy stuff, which is annoying because it's somebody is your jump somebody, even more sluggish. So I I finally understand what you mean by the ju- sluggish jumping, but it just never bothered me mm. really. Um, 
It's because you didn't play enough Spelunky. Uh, uh, so that's kind of an annoying mechanic that un- unfolds as you get heavier stuff. But uh, armor piercing is like a, a kind of mm. uh, bullet that you can get um, with certain guns or Do certain guns. Do they go through loadouts. those guys with the shields? It doesn't. Okay, it does not go through the guys with the shields, okay. which I was like, what the fuck? But it goes through walls. Whoa. Yeah. So you can now shoot up and down through platforms. Nice. And you can shoot through the actual like guys that hide behind barricades and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. It like totally changes how you play the game. Wow. And it's great. It is super, super like if like like once I got that, I was like, oh, this is totally what I'm gonna keep for the rest of the game because this is so great. Hmm. Um yeah, I I love being able to just like situationally take advantage of like being able to shoot th- people through walls and stuff. Uh it's yeah, that's super fun. Um, you unlock a cook where you can make food before any particular mission gives you a temporary buff and gives you a chance at a more powerful buff. Hmm. Um, like yeah, so like you you make a recipe, you like pick a a meat which is either a bone or a piece of small piece of meat, and one of them gives you more hit points and a lower chance of the special buff and one gives you fewer hit points extra hit points and a higher chance at a buff and then you pick a vegetable which is like the papaya or the dragon fruit or whatever and what the the, the they're just the things that drop in the game i don't uh, so pick a meat you can either have a bone or some meat pick a vegetable <laughs> you can either have a fruit or a different fruit yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. now pick a lizard so, so you are can these, have an eagle or a fo- do you have to bring in these ingredients or yes, these, these drops are, that these you're are, finding these are things that you have to have farmed already wow okay yeah um, those things are really easy to farm. Though. Farmed, or in the case of the bones, ranched. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's super weird. It's like temp- little temporary buffs to take into particularly difficult missions or stuff that you're having a hard time with or something. Um, yeah, I, and you know, as as I'm playing through, I'm just getting more and more unlocks of gun pieces, gun bits, and yeah, yeah, knives and. Uh, bionic implants and just and it's just like seeing weird new enemies with weird new animations yeah there's a lot of there's there are there are probably 150 enemies in the game and i've seen 30 or 40 yeah them. paul robertson posted on his his blog like a selection of some of his favorite sprites that he animated for it and there's some there's some pretty good guys in that like transforming robot dogs that are piloted by small actual dogs and yeah <laughs> all kinds of weird things I think I fought one of those. Yeah, it is. There's just a bunch of stuff going on. And it, it is a game that I have gotten a, a bunch better at by playing more of. Wait, like, his name is Paul Robertson. Did he only get yeah. that name after he died? <laughs> he's, he's, he's a very skinny guy. He's exactly the opposite. Maybe he only has that name while he's alive and then everybody forgets about uh, him. Yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, did you guys see the advanced Bitcoin simulator? Yes. Uh, I think I, I saw that it was a thing. I did not investigate. You should, it you was should LinkedIn. It out. Yeah, it takes it takes like, like 10 minutes. Hour maybe. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, it depends on how long. It takes you somewhere between 10 minutes and a half an hour to play it. Yeah. It's, it is... It's kind of a joke. Right? But it is, it is a candy box-like that also got what candy box was. Uh, right? Of. In a way that cook, like, it is, it is much more like candy box than cookie clicker was like candy yes. box. Yes. But it's also not a lot like Candy Box. <laughs> so it it has the trappings of a Candy Box, but doesn't actually have the systems. Of it definitely candy. has an agenda. It does. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty funny. And yeah, 
I don't even know who made that, honestly. Like, I was, I was like, oh, you know, I should look this up to see who it was. And they, when they posted it, they just posted it under a pseudonym in a Bitcoin forum. Yeah, I feel like they didn't want to get yelled at yeah. by all the Linux men. It's pretty, pretty funny. Uh, so I recommend checking that out. Uh, what is it called? How do you find it? Advanced Bitcoin Simulator. It's at like beep, boop, bop, Bitcoin or something. <laughs> dot com. Hmm. Um, just look up Advanced Bitcoin Simulator. Uh, I played Amber Halls, which I guess is a game that you have been aware of for a while. I, I didn't hear about it until like three or four days ago. It is a bro-like. Um, so it's, it's like 868 hack in a way. Hmm. Um, or maybe like Hoplite, which I've not played. Um, Fucking update your phone, I'm, man. It's on my list. Uh, <laughs> of things to do six months from now? No, things to do eventually. Um, <laughs> so Amber Halls is a five by five grid with... So like it's a grid where everything is okay. Yeah. Uh, there are three or four different kinds of enemies. Um, some There are like walls. Some of the walls are enemy spawners. Um, and then... The levels start off relatively sparse, but as you go through, there's 10 rooms that you progress through. Um, as you progress through the rooms, you encounter more and more objects, and those objects, you can either push, like, you can either just leave the room and leave them behind, or you can push them through the door mm. and, t- and try to take them with you. Um, it was sort of Sokoban rules of pushing, but you also can pull stuff. If you are next to something and you move away from it, mm-hmm. it will, you'll pull. Uh, like pull in uh, Corypt? Yeah. Yes. When you... When you push a thing into the next level, does it randomly place it? Uh, yes. Yeah, you because there's no entrance coming. door, yeah. right? I like think there's... you are just. I think you just spawn in the corner opposite the door, but I could be wrong with that. Mm. Um, and I think the door might be just randomly. It's all procedurally generated. Um, if you, I think, if you push stuff through the door. Uh, so the other thing that this this has is a daily challenge, which mm. is the same seed for everybody who plays through the game, um, and that's been super interesting to play through. Uh, you can get a high score but not survive. If you can actually exit the tenth room, you survive. You get you you're, you're victorious, but you might have a lower score if you didn't collect all the gems. There's there are two objects, one of which is a key and one of which is a a door, or a chest, I guess. Um, and if you get those on the same level, you can push them into each other, and it like opens up, and there's a bunch of gems inside there. Mm. Um, and your score for the game is just how many gems you pick. Yes. And, and yeah, I feel like if I had designed this, I would have given you extra points for pushing stuff out of the 10th room. Um, so some of the other objects that you can collect besides the sort of the the key and the chest are an onk, which if you die, you come back to life where the onk is and the onk is replaced. Um, there are three like magic spells that are one is like fireballs so um, you can click on an enemy and if you're in the same row or column you will fire a little fireball at them um, which takes a turn Mm -hmm. Um, and then everything else moves you know so like managing your managing where you are and how how long it's gonna take things to get to you like it's a very like in the same way that 868 works Mm -hmm. it's um that is very important um but you can also these like little sort of spells that are on the ground, you can activate them and that also takes a turn. So sometimes you can just, you can fire fireballs, which fire diagonally out from that square, which you can hit yourself and it will mm. take one of your three hit points Yeah, I've away lost a game by, by just doing yourself. that just three times in a row and like, wait, why is the game over? Oh, right. I, I was just, just shooting myself with a fireball that I couldn't see. Yeah. The Amber Hall's like... It's not very 
uh, accessible in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, no more or less so than 868, really. 868 has like a has a little tutorial. Well, it didn't when we sure. found it, right? Like, but I understand now more why the walls are such a serious tactical thing in 868 because in amber halls because it is a much smaller grid and there are very few things in the way like you're always just diagonal from a thing that's gonna fucking kill you if you move you have to be super careful in a way that i'm no good at being careful and that 868 kind of buffers me from my own there are very few there are very few fixed walls in amber halls but there are can you push all the spawners and stuff no okay um but if you are playing to win you are put you're getting everything out of every room Mm -hmm. um and so those all are every object is impassable by enemies and you can shoot over them unlike the walls which yeah you can shoot over chests and keys and the magic spells oh but you can't shoot over spawners you cannot okay so but you can shoot at something that's on the other side of a spawner and pass a turn okay so the other thing that having one of those spell tiles in the room does is if it is not one of them like teleports you to yeah. it. One, it swaps one of places. Them, one of you. One of them yeah. swaps places, and the other one, one of them shoots fireballs, and then the other one the, does. The other one is a lock. It, it in the four adjacent uh, squares to it. If there is a spawner or a, an enemy, it will freeze it and put a green border around it, and that enemy will not move or spawner will not progress. Hmm. Um, but primarily, what but those things do those. is they let you pass a turn without moving, uh, which is yeah. I don't know if that's primarily, but they, but they, well, it's, but it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting secondary yeah, side effect. It, it is an okay. extremely important yeah, thing super in important. like because in eight six eight, like you'd get a spell that let you wait, yeah. but because it cost some resources, it was. Like, you didn't want to use it, right? You mm-hmm. wanted to, like, move carefully enough that you didn't have to use it. Right. Whereas in Amber Halls, it doesn't cost you anything. That is true. So... Yeah, a lot of it is is getting the right synchronization of stuff to happen so that you can proceed through the room the way that you want. Um, because there are... So there's the enemies that come out of the spawners. There there are some enemies that are just on the screen when you, the level starts and you kill them, nothing, they don't come back and they're just gone. Um, there are some enemies that come out of spawners. They move two squares at a time to mm. make them a little more challenging. There are enemies that um, the first time you hit them, they uh, sort of become like a statue and sort of refill. And you can push them around while they're statues without any sort of uh, negative repercussions. Um, they're meaner every time they come back to life. Yeah, they take they take more hits to to mm. knock out each time they come back to come back to life. Um, and then there are like fired enemies that when you hit them, they split into as many things as they possibly can up to four, hmm. but depending on what how much space they have. Um, yeah, and it, like it's just it's about a dozen ish systems that are all interacting, and it's it is really fun to figure out how they work and. Hmm. Um, you can watch people's runs after, after you've done a daily run, you can watch somebody else's run to see how they did it. Nice. Yeah. And that, like I, I played a couple rounds of it and I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then I watched somebody who had gotten over a hundred points and I was like, oh, okay. Now I understand. That's cool. That, I, I, I really like the idea of same seed daily challenges and I'm really glad more people have picked up on how cool that is yeah. but that's that's an addition to that that's like really in game cool. you can watch the you can yeah. watch the best runs um 
So yeah, I had like the highest score run yesterday. Hmm. Um, Congratulations! And the one today, I died super early because it was a really, it was a really devious room where, um, in order to get in, like very early on, in order to get one of the like super beneficial spells out of the room, you had to arrange it such that the the spell was in one location and you you actually pushed an enemy mm. into the, the spell so that it would push them both up a square um because there's a situation where like in a hallway you can't push an object all the way to the end then walk around and push it from the other side because if you walk away from an object while you're adjacent to it you'll pull it with you right right, right? and so the whole level was such that there was no way to get this thing out of the room because everything everything that made that got you into the row with the exit was like was a hallway Hmm. um and so i didn't i thought i was like i wonder if you can push an enemy into one of these things but it it, that is way easier said than done because you have to line up the enemy just so and he's gonna he's you get he gets a free hit on you when Mm -hmm. when that happens it's like there are so many moving parts in, in getting that to happen it's it's amazing um and watching the guy who did it and pulled it off was like yeah okay interesting like just a bunch of stuff to like figure out and then keep in your head. It's it's really great. The other game that that guy made for the seven day roguelike this year yeah. is kind of interesting. I forget the name of it. I think it's coming out on roguelikes and roguelike. It's coming out on iOS, iOS soon. Yeah, it's Color Fields or something something akin to that. Yeah, something like that. Um, but it's it's neat. I've not I've not played it. I've seen screenshots of it. Um, I think it's like pretty readily playable in a browser from that link that I sent you from that guy's blog about his like highlights from the right. seven day roguelike, um, which that was the same guy where I found eight, six, eight last year oh. and bump also. Okay. And, uh, what was the one Portalusis? Like yeah. that okay. guy is good at yeah, listing. Wow. Those are, and those are all like developers that I really admire. Yeah. At this point. Oh, that and uh, Roguelike, okay. <laughs> which was the other best roguelike. Of... That's pretty good. That was two years ago, though. Yeah, that was two years ago. Because um, we, we were just letting that run with our right. some, oh, weight on the space bar. Um, I, played, uh, I played a DS game because uh, I was going to fly out here. Uh, and I, I pulled up Aliens Infestation, nice. uh, which is a, a cartridge that I've owned for a couple of years, just haven't actually cracked open um and it is a lot of fun it is like a metroid like it is um, a very nice metroidvania implementation yeah yeah with the space marines i think they actually got the license from because like they had the wayland yeah yeah corporation stuff like that in there um they have an interesting system and i feel like i think maybe zach has talked about this on on the podcast before but they have an interesting system where you have you effectively have four lives because you have a squad of four marines but you're only ever one guy on the screen at a time Mm -hmm. and if your marine dies you pick another Marine and they then become the Marine that you're moving around and shooting with. But they've, they went to kind of a lot of pains to give every Marine a yeah, personality. Yeah. Each, each individual Marine has their own, their own little, I don't know, Style. character. Yeah. Yeah, character. yeah. And so you feel really bad yeah. anytime they die. Yeah. And it, like I just, not just because they're your lives, but they're your dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, right now I am playing through it where I just don't, nobody ever dies. Mm. Cause if I, if, if a guy dies, I will just restart. That seems like a real struggle. It's so I would, I have, it has caused some frustration in some boss fights, especially ones mm. that are after like weird cutscene type mini games or whatever. Um, but the one thing, the one positive thing that has come out of it is 
bosses that seemed like they were crazy impossible and I could kill them with three or four marine deaths mm -hmm. well three two or three marine deaths i guess on, on my third or fourth marine because you only get a squad of four right um yeah you can you will you'll you find more more guys that you can rescue as the right. game goes on but you can only take them with you if you have an empty space yeah if you if you try to recruit one of the marines that's like hiding out in these in this spaceship or whatever and you have a full team they just they just talk about like how they're either waiting for their team or they're yeah. like they'd, want, they'd rather be alone for now or whatever huh, so um, you don't then get to see the dialogue that those people would have right that's the thing exactly. like, like i wonder yeah. how much writing is in the game that i'm just not seeing because i'm only ever playing through as a single character wow and as the guy who's deciding like all right well we had like 10 storylines written and some of them right. are better than others like where do we put the good ones yeah. because you don't want to do it too early because normal people are not going to like constantly reload if they lose one dude right yeah i have no idea and that your, your guys don't level up at all like you get new weapons and you, the, the weapons level up a little bit but the the guys don't um what was i gonna say oh um so the boss fights are are pretty hard yeah yeah um but because I had faith that they would, they wouldn't make it such that you had to lose guys. I kept going back to them, and I'd be like, "Okay, I've got to try a different technique. I've got to try a different tactic." And like, mm. I would just try the because I didn't, I refused to let my guys die. I kept going back and trying something new, and it forced me to learn a lot about the mechanics of the game. So like, I learned, oh, hey, if I am shooting this crazy minigun weapon i can start walking backwards and stay just a little bit out of range of this boss and i can also run backwards um while i'm still shooting mm -hmm. which gives me the chance to actually like do enough damage to not die or whatever right like it, like it just forced me to innovate and figure stuff out which I wouldn't have done. Like if I was just doing it with mm, lives, if you were I would just have, plowing through. Yeah, it, yeah, I would have just lost the three Marines, gone on, gotten, mm -hmm. got you know, found three more in the ship or whatever, and then gone to the next thing, and I wouldn't have gotten better at the game. Yeah. And so I was like, huh, you know, this is that's okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. If that was sort of a side effect, I don't think that was intentional because I don't, you know, I, like I'm just resetting the whole DS because I don't want to get it. I don't want it to have save over a, a spot, you know, where because you only get one save spot, right? So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like it a lot though. Um, and it's not too long. I feel like it's probably six hours of gameplay total. I'm probably four or five hours into it. Even as careful as you're being. Yeah. I feel like it's not been that much game time. I could be wrong. It was two hours on the flight and then a couple hours last night, maybe. I played a game that I forgot the name of, so I need to go to Metafilter and see what to... I'm pretty sure it's called Untrusted. It's a game called Untrusted, uh, which is a browser game. Like a, it's it's roguelikey. You got a little at sign that you're moving around and trying to get to an exit. But in in the pane to the right of it, now there is the JavaScript mm -hmm. that is executed to build the level. Okay. Either that, or there's a simulation of the JavaScript that would be being executed to build the level. And the way that you make all of the levels winnable is by editing the JavaScript code mm -hmm. that generates the levels. And so there are. It's it's scribble Nazi in that there are often scribble like Nazi. cheap. <laughs> <laughs> there are often cheap can ways. You, can you not just spawn the exit right next to your? Well, dude? after you can the, in first, the first couple, yeah, levels. after the first two or three levels, it starts to run this verification. There's certain parts of the code, really most of the code, you can't edit, hmm. which is how it starts to make it a real game. 
Um, and it starts to just verify that there's only one exit and you can't destroy an object once it's been created and you can't really like, okay. you can't like just teleport yourself and stuff. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it was, it was pretty fun. It was a, it was a cool derail. Uh, it's, it's uh, super interesting. It made me want to go back and, uh, finish the, the code, code academy JavaScript course so that I know a little more of what I was looking at to try and play it because it's it's definitely an interesting game and I like that kind of I like I like the puzzliness of coding so a game that is explicitly coding puzzles is is pretty cool or, yeah yeah did you play what was the game that we saw at Indiecade um, where it's the roguelike where you're running around on the code and you have to like hit things to change the values of right. variables fuck code something dot code or code hmm dot parens or something i remember somebody built a a front end thing for their os that was doom where every running process on their system was a zombie and you could shut the processes huh. down by killing the zombies i played an ipad game called spellbounders okay um which is an awful name but it is like is it a word game? It is. It's a. It's like Words with Friends, sort of, except that it's also got a kind of an RPG component to it. Like there are spells that you can play by playing words, and the the extra tiles are like things that make the attacks more powerful, and things that give you more mana to cast spells. And sometimes, like you'll get an extra letter tile by, I think you'll get an extra letter tile by playing on a particular square. You get a critical hit if you like play. A word that incorporates the word that your opponent played. So if you put like an S off the end of their word, so you get the credit for that, and oh, wow. it's a critical, so it does bonus damage. Jeez. Um, no, wait, that's a backstab. A critical is okay. using all of your tiles. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's it seems all right. That's I like the idea. I like the idea of like a, a literal Scrabble board RPG. Yep. There are things about the rules that I don't precisely understand. I think uh, partially because I didn't really read any of the text <laughs> that was on the screen during the tutorials. Okay. But um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it seems Do you you just don't feel compelled to to read what people are telling you when they're trying to teach you something? I I like the parts of tutorials where you're doing something. Mm -hmm. I don't like the parts of tutorials where you're reading something. Yeah. Yeah, it's I always I I definitely have a lot more respect for a tutorial that teaches you things without directly telling you those things. I don't have a good example in my mind. Okay, well okay, in in uh there's a bit in there is a tutorial level in Dark Souls 2 where you there are actually signs that are things like, you know, hold 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 down circle to run mm -hmm. but that doesn't really teach you how to deal with the things that the game is going to throw at you sure and so there is then the, it's just the first you the, the first part of the system right it's just teaching you the controls and then the the first actual level in the game it has a level where like here's one enemy and after you kill that guy to after you you know you kill that guy so that you know here's me killing one guy and then two guys run up so you have to deal with two guys at the time and then the next little group of enemies is an archer and then another guy that will run up behind you as you're trying mm. to kill that archer so you have to learn how to deal with this situation and then the next area you get to immediately after that is all those sorts of guys in one place 
So you have to figure out how to, you know, prioritize. how to prioritize and how to deal with these diverse situations all at once. So that that sort of thing is where you're 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 learning by doing is much more interesting than if you're just being told with a note of what to do. It's also hard in a fundamentally multiplayer game to have a tutorial at all, mm. right? Like mm. your tutorial has to just be like a series of screenshots that is like, this is what might happen when somebody does a thing, maybe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> unless the game has changed since we wrote it and didn't update the tutorial or whatever. <laughs> like there are still occasionally like it, a thing pops up that says like your opponent is healed by the amount of tiles that they have on the screen. And I don't know if that's a thing that they did or if that's the game telling me that mm. that's a thing that always happens. Right. Like, I don't know if it's a tooltip or an event notification. Right. Hmm. Is there there's like a cricket or something that is driving me fucking crazy. You guys wow. don't look crazy. So this must not be a thing a that you bit. can hear. Is it inside your ear? It's entirely possible that it is inside my ear, I guess. Yeah, I'm not hearing yeah, anything. I don't hear anything. All right, cool podcast. <laughs> I also played a bunch of uh, FTL. Not a bunch. I played a couple games oh, of FTL. The new stuff. Huh? Yeah, the new stuff is, it's, you know, it's... I bought the iPad version, but I haven't looked at it yet. Mm. There are, in addition to there being like a new race of aliens and a whole bunch of new random events and stuff, which are cool. Like, that's the thing that I like. Although, one thing that I do, <sighs> KOL is the worst at this, right? But something that I've learned that I don't really like is that there are a small enough number especially in the original release of FTL, there are a small enough number of things that can happen in special events that you get to where you know them and you know what they're going to do. And I almost wish that, like, once you had picked an option in one of these encounters, every time you saw it after, after that, it just told you what it was going to do. Hmm. And I don't know that they're always fixed, but it's like... You could just look at a wiki, right? but why make me do that? So you're suggesting that a diligent player would have this knowledge, so you might as well present it for everyone. So well, that... unless you're... So, I mean, I think that there are a lot of cases where, like, I had a thing yesterday. No, it was actually today where I started a game and the first sector that I went to, it was like... Oh, man, our colony's overrun with giant spiders. Do we want to send somebody down there? And I know from experience that this is either a thing where you get some scrap or one of your crew members dies. Right. And so normally I would just avoid it, but I just did it. The crew member died and I just restarted because it was like my first move. And then I felt like an asshole. Huh. So I think that what I want is not. I either want everything spelled out what it does or I want everything so unpredictable that hmm. it is actually random as opposed to like, this is a random thing from a set of 10 things that can happen that behave very predictably. Right. And I don't know. I feel like 
mean, with experience, you learn that this event can be one of these two things. Do it so so it it you know what gamble you're making. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing is in a game like that, there is already so much randomness that I don't want to be offered the choice of flip a coin and either lose a random crew member or get 90 scrap because mm-hmm. I never, ever want to risk that. Mm-hmm. But but once I mean, so, well, therefore, once you've learned what the possible outcomes for that event are, if you, now that you know that neither one of those outcomes is something you like, you know just to never do that event. Yeah, but every time that event comes up, it's just a waste of fuel, right? Because Mm. it isn't something where I have any control over it, like a fight, you know, and it isn't something... I mean, I guess maybe there is an outcome, maybe there's a third option to that event that has something to do with, like, uh, having a particular crew on board or having a particular system or whatever that lets you... Like, because there are, like, those blue options that are always favorable. Like, you know that they are always favorable because they are based on you having something that is, like, suited for this situation. And, yeah, sure. Is it always more favorable than one of the other, than all the other choices, or? I don't know. Okay. I think it it is always consistently good. Like, nothing bad ever happens as a result of it. Okay. There are these weird things where, like, there's a guy who's like, do you want to buy something from me? And you're like, sure, I'll look at your wares, or no. And then if you say yes, and then you don't want to buy anything that is offered, which is random, then they attack you hmm. and just, like, immediately do some damage that you can't prevent, hmm. which is like, okay. That's a, so not- you're locking yourself into having to purchase something. Yeah, it's I, – I mean, I guess – I would rather the randomness in games not be a thing where I am deciding to flip a coin and something good or something bad is going to happen depending on how the coin flip turns out. Like, if it's a thing where it's like, all right, you're taking a risk. Do you think that you're good enough to pull this off because it is risky if you fuck it up as opposed to like, take this risk, Y slash N, risk is 50%. Like, that kind of rubs me the wrong way Hmm. um Hmm. but still a pretty good video game when you would take a shot in vats and it would tell you 90 percent chance of hitting or whatever how is that different well you can if you go into vats and all of the chances are really low you can go out of vats and reposition yourself And not spend those AP okay. until you get a more favorable. Okay, but it didn't bother you when there's like an 80% or 90% chance and you missed sometimes? Well, it does. I mean, it bothers me in games where there's an 80% chance. So what game was I talking about like a week or two ago where... Was it XCOM? No, but it was something like that. Hmm. The Shadowrun game. Where you would have like an yeah. 80% chance of hitting, but you would miss five times in a row because there was some mitigation happening that just wasn't oh, being expressed to me. And because it wasn't being expressed to me, I didn't understand it. And because I didn't understand it, I couldn't right. act against it. Right? Like, it, randomness is a thing that video games do and are good at and that makes video games unpredictable and cool. But, like, it is a real knife edge that you got to... Got to tread to is treading what you do to a knife edge. Sure, 
can. You can try to knife. It's him. a real knife of Damocles. Yep. <laughs> hanging over your knife. You don't want to hit a knife with another knife. Yeah, it's ruin him. I heard that the the S word of Damocles was just shit. Yeah. (laughs) You don't want that shit of Damocles hanging over your head, let me tell you. It's just literally Damocles squatting over you. (laughs) Like, you know it's going to drop eventually. It's just a question of when. You've seen this happen. (laughs) Waiting for the other shit to drop. Yeah, so FTL is good. I started a game with the express purpose of trying to unlock the Mantis ship and just spawned a world without the Mantis home sector in it. And I'm like, well, fuck. Hmm. And then I got to, this is what keeps happening. I'll start a game with uh, the Terran, the the initial ship model B, which is the red tail, which just starts with four of the same laser in it. So you can, it's super, super useful and powerful in the early game when those four lasers are enough to like just take care of you combat wise. Mm -hmm. But then you are completely useless against the flagship. So if you don't update your weapons by the time you get to the end fight, like there is just nothing you can do, but it's going to take for fucking ever for you to lose. (laughs) And so I just like got to the boss. I'm like, well, I just quit. (laughs) <laughs> like I didn't even like do they have like reflective armor no they just have four shields and so if all you have is four lasers the best you can hope for is if all of your shots hit all it does is knock their shields down to nothing and then by the time your lasers charge up again their shields are back so you can never actually do any damage I see. to them and there's no way of timing it such that you know even not doing the just easy I learned a trick from our forums which is that you can auto fire or not auto fire a particular weapon by holding back tick as you hit the number of the weapon. So you can have like three lasers set to auto fire and one missile that you fire manually and it doesn't get set to auto fire by using back tick, which is, I, I don't know, probably going to be super handy if I decide to play it again and use that trick. That back trick. They have made a lot of the unlocks easier. Apparently, there are alternate unlock conditions for everything that are something that you can just do on purpose. I see. But I don't know what they are because I haven't found whatever the new wiki is. Um, Or I'm just not understanding where to go in the existing FTL wiki to find them. Because also... I played a shitload of FTL on my laptop, and so I unlocked, like, half the ships on my laptop, and then I unlocked half the ships on my desktop, but it's a different half. It's not uh, a cloud save? I don't think it is. Wow. That's, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's th- something I'm curious about. Mercenary Kings is, like, if I were to install it on the, my Mac partition, would I still have all the stuff that... Because mm. it's saving a lot. Is it cloud saving, or is it... Yeah, no idea. Saving on the hard drive. So, did anybody uh, hear or see or smell anything in the news? I didn't. Uh, I mean, it's not really news. Uh, a couple days ago, the Frog Fractions guy uh, posted on the Kickstarter. The uh, He, like, re-recorded the um, talk he did for GDC about making sur- surprises in games, despite the fact that everyone's on the internet. It was pretty good. Did you guys see that when no. you were at? No. It's uh, it's it was a good talk. It was uh, interesting. Question that I had: What ever happened with the coordinates in Berkeley? 
Um, there, he, uh, he appeared and hung out with the few people that, that showed showed up for a few minutes and they went for a walk and some time travelers appeared and uh, kidnapped him, leaving behind this, this like takeout food bag that he had, he was carrying with him. And it turned out to contain like half a dozen foil wrapped, uh, three and a quarter inch floppy disks. Okay. And so people like, so the, the guy who ended up with it had to go and find a floppy drive that could read them. And there, uh, it turned out to be, uh, like five or six pages of a, a bug, a bug porn calendar. (laughs) Okay. And I think they're still trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. (laughs) I'm super glad that that funded reasonably yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, no, no stretch goals. It looked like so no rock band microphone support or or anything. But yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, what still, we what still we are paying for is for him to have a year or two yes. of like creative freedom, which yep. I am I am totally on board with. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I assume that Jenny will talk about it at some point when they record a. Uh, taco but yeah she was on several hours of twitch stream with with frog fractions today yeah um it is also this isn't really newsy news and i think we might have talked about it a little bit but like reading more about uh amazon um game studios is super interesting because like now that the fire tv is out as a product and they're talking about how they're going to have a bunch of games on it and the fact that they have a, a bunch of sort of relatively well-known game designers working for Amazon so they can like create addition like original content in in studio and they're they're looking to do just sort of weird unique stuff with mid-sized teams in hmm. like you know year-long 18-month projects um I'm, I'm really curious what they're gonna what they're gonna come up with right because they've got a bunch of potential resources you know with Amazon's sort of war chest and but you know they can they have unfettered access to Amazon Web Services and they have mm. right like they can just do a bunch of weird shit that you couldn't necessarily otherwise do if they want to hmm. right so we'll see we'll see what comes out of that but it's gonna be a while yeah I got nothing nothing but this assignment the yog hey. I was not expecting this. To be what it was at all. I had let me zero rephrase. Expectations going this is this. not what I expected at all. I think I thought it was going to be a lot more First pretentious. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot less video gamey. Hmm. And of I was just having a bunch of stats with numbers. Yeah, on. and I was pleasantly surprised to yeah. find like, ah, this is just kind of like a weird multi-threaded fantasy Oregon Trail, and yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, I played it with Emily. I I took two dudes, and she took two dudes. Well, we each took a dude and a lady. Okay. And uh, we played it once, got the good ending, and I thought, you know what? It's never going to get any better than this, fellas. <laughs> I, I I played it once with uh, just the, the blue lady and the orange dude. Okay. And got a terrible ending. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, yeah, the I I was I I decided the blue lady looked kind of wizardly, so I had her just doing like mainly wizard's tower and hospital stuff and the orange dude looked like a dickhead so i had him pickpocketing and 
getting okay. drunk all the time. The The lady ended up turning into a werewolf and killing a whole bunch of people. And wow. the dude t- ended up turning into a vampire and killing a whole bunch of people. So the Crazy. town reconstruction at the end did not go well. <laughs> I, there, I, there are a bunch of choices that I didn't make that I kind of want to go back and, yeah. and mess with. Um, but subsequently, I did a playthrough with everybody. And uh, and and yeah, and then every, everything went great. Can and, like what happens if you choose one. the looter or the drunk at the end? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't Town end up drunk. picking either of those. Yeah, me either. Like I'm. I, I want to go back and mess with some of the bad choices. I was. I was super happy with the like, the choices that you would make that had a thread through multiple weeks. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Emily accidentally she tried to uh, kill some leeches with magic early on, but her magic wasn't powerful enough. So then the leeches got out into the waterbeds oh it said and i was like i got that is that a joke event, but, but i managed to kill like, the is leeches. that an anachronism like or does the word waterbed mean something huh. other than a waterbed like <laughs> well, these cr- crazy canadians who knows what they uh what they use for words um I, but I, then yeah later on i was like i somebody bathed in a river and got attacked by leeches yeah. and i was like damn you emily i got there is uh in my second playthrough there is a moment where the the uh, the wizard lady was assigned to watch somebody else's potion for them, and it was about to explode. And you get the choice to either throw it out the window or drink it. And I said, well, I'm not going to drink it, so I'll throw it out the window. And she ends up throwing it into the municipal water supply. And then throughout the rest of the game, there's like references to, okay, don't drink the water, everybody, because people are mutating pretty bad. I drank <laughs> it. And I was it like, ooh, makes oh, no. you stronger. Oh really? Yeah, oh, no, it totally. Man. Well, <laughs> for you, if you have a certain stat threshold, like I think okay. if you have magic above a certain level, like then it just gives you a bunch of stats. There was I I had the opportunity to buy a bunch of magic beans, which yeah. I was like, "Fuck yeah." I didn't have any money. I I bought those beans and then I uh, planted them in a, in the back corner of the garden and then uh, I was playing with Melissa. We also had two characters each and she she went into the gardens and she had the opportunity to water them, which she did. And then I went back to the gardens later and the the vine had turned into a gnome who just gave me like a huge stat up. Nice. Um, there was one crazy thing that happened to Melissa that was just super dark and disturbing. Uh, I think it was maybe out in the forest where she encountered like a hedge with a hand that came mm-hmm. out of it. And I had encountered that earlier and I had hit, I had hit the hand and like yeah, run too. away. She just waited to see what happened and the hand grabbed her and it belonged to a wizard who took her down into his like dungeon and flayed the skin from her body and then cast healing spells to to bring her back to health. And from her point of view, this lasted for years before she managed to escape. And when she got out, only a single day had passed. Whoa. But she like she had gone a little crazy, but she all the constant healing spells had given her like a huge magic boost. And then at the end of the game, uh, you know, like we're get, everybody's getting their like, you know, happy end of the, oh, end the, of the epilogue, game story, epilogue yeah. stuff. And for her, the wizard captures her again and then takes her down to the dungeon for eternity and is just constantly like playing ah. her and healing her <laughs> up again. That was how she, that was like, that was her, the rest of her, oh man, her, you know, after, after game life. <laughs> All of our people had great times after. The, the one that was like the astral travel. One is a little well. Weird she never found depressing. love. Or he no, no, never no, found no. Love. The astral, the the meditation thing, where they meditated for a while and to try to figure out how to to travel to the astral plane, 
and they finally figure out how to do it and turns out the astral plane is exactly like this world but everybody's, oh, everybody's eyes, are, eyes slightly are slightly smaller, smaller. yeah <laughs> and they don't know how to get home yeah it's crazy. i had in my in my second game the uh the green guy who ended up being like you know burly hunter mans mm-hmm. um he got he he his epilogue was like him seeing a cackling ghostly blue fox in the forest and becoming totally obsessed for the rest of his life with capturing it wow yeah <laughs> and also the 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 red lady who is i i had set up as like an administrative type of person in that game uh just had a completely normal and boring life she got married and had some kids and eventually she died yeah <laughs> yeah the the range of stuff that happens is pretty great also, yeah. in that version, the uh, the orange guy became Robin Hood. Okay. <laughs> I I wish it was an iPad game. If it was a game I could play easily, well, yeah, I would I would no play it a lot more often. Yeah, I would I would totally play a game of that once or twice. You know, before bed. Yeah. Several more would, times before I got bored. It's probably know? a little too adult for kids, but like that would be a totally interesting thing to play with a kid. Mm-hmm. You know. I liked the the interface was really slick. The yeah. ability to play it with another person where they had the keyboard and you had the controller or vice versa was just a super tactile and pleasing way to divide up who was who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it was a technically really well put together yeah. game. Yeah. Um, art was really nice. I really enjoyed the art. The art looked like Saturday morning breakfast cereal. To me, if yeah, you had told me of. that Zach Wiener did the art for this, I would have believed you. I mean, it's it's. I feel like it's it's much higher quality than his strips. Like I would believe that Zach Wiener spent way more time, did this art, and spent a lot more time on it than he does on his daily webcomic. Mm. Then that would make sense to me. But I appreciated the uh, Time Magazine pun. Yeah, oh, I missed that. There's just somebody who did a bunch of cooking. Uh, they get elected by THYME magazine. Nice. They were on the cover of Time. Um, <laughs> the music was done by uh, Ryan and Helena. Yeah, the uh, Ryan is the guy who did the music for Starseed Pilgrim. Yeah, mm. and uh, they're, they're they're real nice. They're super nice. Yeah, that the whole Toronto young Toronto crew of games makers is pretty rad. It seems like. Like I like them a lot. We did not meet. Um, I think we met everyone who was involved in this game except for the girl who did the art and the writing, which is sort of the, I don't know, to my mind, kind of the important part. Yeah, I mean, so, it, you know, the, structurally, like it yeah. needed it needed that soul structurally. But it's not like we, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Like, I think if if I'm trying to answer the question, like whose game is this? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I would not say that it was the musician's game. Right. Even though the music really set a good tone. It did. But, you know, and it, but the music was less important to this than it was to Starseed. I really have zero memory of the music. You probably had some sort of thing going on. You were probably listening to a podcast or watching a Twitch stream. stream. Nope. Well, Twitch plays the Yog would be pretty cool, actually. Hmm. I mean, you'd basically like the Yog is played with random inputs, <laughs> right? Uh, that still might be cool. I can't decide whether I want to look up a map of all the outcomes. Me either. I'm tempted to just say that my playthrough of this was the was canonical the one. Canonical one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's not the game though. But I'm not really tempted to do that because I'm not. I like that means I can never play it again. I mean, I don't mind spending whatever ten bucks for that 
15 minute experience for yeah it's for super two short of us. yeah you should i mean it's obviously designed to be replayed that's yeah but yeah i don't want to see the same thing again i saw very little in common between yeah. our two playthroughs i wonder how much like is there ever any difference between one person going to a place and another person going to a place I mean, their stats will obviously have an impact. But you make the same initial choices. Everybody's stats are the same. And those to but, start and with. there's obviously a set of you know random encounters behind each choice. Do those random encounters happen regardless of which of the two choices you make? Uh, no, the the choices are very different, right? Like, oh, you mean with like so, previous choices? Right. No, no, no. What I'm saying is like, so what it seems like every act that you make is you go, you pick a location to go to yeah. and then you pick one of two things two activities and then the it d- tells you what happens as a result of that. Yeah. And, and, and then a choice. And then a random event occurs d- for which you get a choice yeah. of what to do. Right. And I don't know if that random event is selected based on which thing you chose or which area you're in. Both. Right. Are you sure? Pretty sure. I, I don't think they... I don't do, think well, you, do you have evidence or are you just saying that? The ones that I saw that were the same were always in the same places and with the same choices, right? So, like, I feel like, you know, garden landscaping has a set of encounters that is unique to it and garden meditation has a set of encounters that are u- unique to it. You're not going to find them in the forest. You're not going to find them. No, I know that you're not going to find them in another place. What I, my The entirety of my question is, does the binary choice that you make determine which set of random events you get one of or does the area that you went to determine what set of random events you get and i don't have any evidence to suggest one or the other so what the binary choice being whether you're meditating or landscaping or the binary choice in the the second thing that comes up the encounter the first the first so what i was saying is i don't like i never saw anything in the landscaping section that was then in the meditation or vice versa because we're always separate in in the locations every every location that i went to and looked at right like it's harder to check for repeats given that only one person can go to a yeah an area in a given week in a given week yeah it's a good game yeah i recommend it to everyone riff's right though it would be good if it came out on the ipad I wonder if if they'll port it to anything. I wonder if there's a wiki. If only there was some vast network of computers <laughs> that I could consult that would both tell me whether there was a wiki and contain that wiki. Yeah. That's too bad that do- that doesn't exist. Guys, for next week, in celebration of ZapCon, the arcade convention, and also pinball convention, I guess, geez, uh, we're going to play Bubble Bobble as an yeah. assignment. Bubble Bobble. We're going to learn about Bubble Bobble. Bubble, Bubble. I want to learn about Bubble Bobble. You mean you mean the snood clone? Yeah, that snood clone. <laughs> no, you're thinking of Puzzle Bobble. Oh, then I don't know what game we're playing at all. Bubble, it's a platformer. Did you ever play Snow Bros? Nope. I, I this whole time I was thinking of Puzzle Bobble. I guess mm-hmm. I have no idea what Bubble Bobble is. It's you're the guys from Puzzle Bobble, except you're playing the original game from the '80s that they were in. You jump around, you blow a bubble, and it catches a guy, and then you punch that guy, and he bounces around, and then he like turns into an umbrella. Ah, that sounds weird. I don't know. Anyway, it's a fun game, but I didn't know that there was anything to it. People have told me that there is something to it, that there are secrets, that there are codes. Ciphers. There are puzzles. There are hints. I know there's a final boss. Is there? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that until just now. 
See, we all learned something today. Hey, do you guys want to do some listener's mail? Sure. Sure. Here's a thing that someone said. Troy says, I had Gyrus on my Commodore 64. I loved that game. Well, all right. That's not a question. It isn't. But, you know, it's an acknowledgement that Gyrus is awesome. Okay. Were you talking about how you just acquired Gyrus? Uh, I think so. I think that came up last time. Um, Pobblebunk uh, sends a video in which Riker is frustrated that he can't uh, sleep with a lady and then calls into the bridge and says, I'll be in Holodeck 4 if anyone needs me, thus proving that the Holodeck is for masturbation. So that was basically Riker's I'll be in my bunk right. moment. Um, F wrote on November 14th of last year, does this mean that you'll actually read questions on video games, Hot Dog, or is this just a pit of despair? A little bit of both. <laughs> Ashton says, are any of you planning to buy a PS4 or Xbox One? Do any of you own a Wii U? I think no, no, and no, unless Riff is planning on buying a new uh, console. I will buy a PS4 when there are sufficient number of games to be played on it. Did you not get into Infamous? The Infamouses? It was okay. It didn't super grab me. I mean, it's it's um, yet another third-person <sighs> adventure. I really want to play Watch Dogs. I have not... I've not been. Is that of, out? No, it's coming okay. out in like a month. Yeah, I, that did seem real interesting. That's it, not enough for me to buy a PS. No, because you, you can though. also buy it on PC, right? Like yeah. it'll. It's also coming out simultaneously. And I, you know, I I think because I have high expectations or hopes for it now, it's just it's it can't be anything but a disappointment. Because mm. <laughs> I what I want is it to be like a hacking version they, of Grand I mean, Theft Auto, right? The Which fact is, that they they decided to delay it to to polish it even more than maybe would have been necessary is seems like a good indication sure yeah yeah we'll see oh i also uh, sent myself a note to our listeners mail that i then just conspicuously forgot to read to thank uh, the alchemical panda and arbor day and rotated eight for the uh, gifts that they got me on steam oh. around december 25th and december 26th um how oh, nice uh, alchemical panda got me a copy of uh jade empire i think while it was uh maybe while it was on sale or maybe he's a good uh, a good friend who bought it for me at full price crazy to give <laughs> uh to give I don't know. Steam as much money. Chris Avalon, some extra money. I don't think Chris Avalon had anything to do with that or the. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I did name my character in Knights of the Old Republic Chris Avalon, so I'm pretty sure that means Chris Avalon works for Bioware. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did play a little bit of Jade Empire. I do want to use. I do want to do that as, as an assignment at some point when we have uh, some time to dedicate to a an RPG. Um. Yeah. Arbor Day bought me this uh, game, this adventure game called Hamlet. Okay. Uh, is it about a village oh, or is it about... Point and click kind yeah, of thing? It's yeah, a, it's... No, it's not, it doesn't really have anything to do with Hamlet, I don't think. Um, yeah, not really. It's, it's, it's got it's, not characters Hamlet, of the same name. It's kind of machinary, but, I mean. Yeah, oh, and then uh, Rotated 8 got me this game called Deadlight, which I had like, why have I heard about that? Oh, right, because it was on my wish list, which is uh, why he got it from me. But it, it was a... Um, it's like a zombie game that is very similar to... Fuck. What was that Xbox Live Arcade game that was kind of a Metroidvania? It was written by Orson Scott Card. Wow. No idea. You were running around. You had a gun. Shadow Complex. Shadow Complex. Yeah. Deadlight is a game that's very much like Shadow Complex. It was pretty good. And I hmm. played it and I had fun. And thank you for the Christmas present, Rotated 8. Um, a Naked Jew writes, I was wondering if you guys would ever play Okami for PS2 as an assignment. I think you could have some cool discussions of the interaction of art direction and play mechanics in that game. 
That is the thing that I would like to do, although I think we would probably end up playing the DS version of it if we were going to do it, because mm. we all have DSs that are accessible, and it's also a game that I think is going to work a lot better on the yeah. DS. Although I kept thinking that. I, I have bought that game three times. The DS wow. version is not the same game, I don't think. Oh. It's like Okamiden or something. It's like a sequel or a side thing. It uses the same sort of art. I kept bouncing off of it. I was really excited about it when it was announced, and then I bought it, and then I was like, boy, I don't like this at all, mm. uh, but it would be good on the Wii, and then I bought it on the Wii, and I was like, ah, no. Yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe on the DS, and then I bought it on the DS, and I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Ashton writes, when are you going to get a Vita? I have a Vita. I also have a Vita. I'm never going to get Kevin, a Vita. when are you going to get a Vita? I don't think never. I'm going to get one. Literally never. Baz Brian says, more taco. A ham fish, I mean, damned Damn. fish, says, Riffin Kevin, since Zach is your boss, which video game boss is he the most like? Does he have any cool powers or sweet loot drops? Which <laughs> MacGuffin is his weakness? Yeah, where's my big glowing dot? Uh, that's a tough one. The... The string. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So like a building with an internal loop yeah. would totally would totally throw him for a no. And that would be the balanced way to encounter me. You would put me in a room, yeah, yeah. in a building with internal loops, so that you could you could path around and you would have yeah. to like run. Yeah, you could backwards. you could take advantage of my poor pathfinding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Drops. Well, solid gold Lexuses is. <laughs> Lexi. Lexi. Um, Video game cabinets. Yeah. Legos. I'm trying to think, like, is he like any of the bosses in Alpha Protocol? (laughs) I feel like those were some interesting characters. Kind of like that Russian woman. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the Russian woman. I'm spunky. (laughs) Jake Bond 2 says, what is this podcast and what is it about? Indeed, Jake Bond, too. Well, it's mostly about hot dogs, but we occasionally also talk about video games. Oh, no, another Putz writes, Donkey Kong, better as protagonist or antagonist? I just don't give a fuck about Donkey Kong at all. Yeah. Wait, wait is, so wait, Donkey Kong the character, is he better as a protagonist or an antagonist? Or is it Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong, the video game, video game as, as right? in the antagonist in the, in, in the uh, King of Kong movie? Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that? The video game was the antagonist in that movie, or yes. would you say that? Oh, it's a classic, uh, you know, protagonist versus world. Yeah, man. Versus environment. Man versus environment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> PVE. It's not, uh, you wouldn't say that Billy Pilgrim was the antagonist of that. You would say more that he was the protagonist of a different thing. What is that guy's name? I don't remember. The guy, the hot sauce guy. Yeah. Damn I'm trying it. to remember. Billy something. Billy Mitchell. Mitchell. Um, Sean Petrie says good addition to the site looking forward to the next podcast what do you think of unobtainable achievements like the one in the Stanley Parable also how many endings did you all find in the game I got seven or eight endings I think, I think in I, it and... I mean I didn't find all of them on my own but I went back and and got I think all of them by checking a list of endings hmm. I, got and I think we talked about the achievements at some yeah, point we did I'm okay with the unobtainable one. I'm not okay with one, the ones that I imagined that didn't actually exist that were just extremely tedious to attain. Didn't we? Didn't we discuss this with uh, Davian? 
William? No, well, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, you were like, I was super upset about this achievement in your game, but it turns out that achievement didn't exist. And they're like, yes, because that would be, in fact, Dave was like, yeah, because that would be a dickish thing to do. <laughs> I'm like, yep. Uh, somebody who chose to remain anonymous writes, suggestions for a good co-op board game that can be played with only two people. Boy, that's a good question. And if you find an answer for it, I'd like to know it too. Um, the Pathfinder card game. Okay. Because that doesn't need a DM, does it? Right, correct. And it also works solo. Kevin got me that for Christmas, but we have not played it. It's good. I looked at it and concluded that this was a thing that the girls would probably not be into at all. And so I decided Mm. that it, rather than it being like a, you know, family game night thing, it should be a me and Kevin bros, bros bros night game game night thing. Game weekend. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being. Uncharitable. Yeah. I mean, it's very tabletop role-playing, but as cards instead of character sheets and dice. Yeah, it just yeah. seemed too mathy for somebody who was not as dorky as we are. It's, you know, the there is a little bit of that yeah. to it, but it's it's also a little dominion-y, right? Like, you build a deck and yeah, you're, yeah. you're going through. And, like, and the fact that, you, that that deck is your character. Yeah, that deck is persistent across games. I love a board game that has persistent characters that way. Yeah. Yeah, so Path... Pathfinder card Pathfinder Path the not trading card game because it's was it Path Pathfinder deck building card game something like adventure that adventure card game adventure yeah like a game that would potentially have both elements would maybe be betrayal at house on the hill because you start out cooperative and then mm-hmm. one of them one of you betrays I don't know how never played good... that with less than like four or five yeah people. I don't know how that would work with two it would be interesting right because it's almost everything scales based yeah. on the number of I mean I'm players. sure it, I'm sure it. I'm sure it uh, it does not disallow a two player game, yeah. but I don't. It seems like it would be way harder to balance the scenarios in that game for one v one. Yeah. Then, yeah. because I mean, like, it'll often say like you get three zombies plus one for every opponent or whatever, mm-hmm. and like one guy versus three zombies is a way different thing than two guys versus four zombies. Right. Plus, they're almost never zombies. Sometimes they're like tongues. It's Uroboroses. Giant cat. Is Pandemic two-player game, possibly? I doubt it. By two-player, do you mean good? No. (laughs) Wow. Man, Pandemic Pandemic is multiplayer solitaire, but not in the good way that I like a game that's multiplayer solitaire. Pandemic is like... Multiplayer solitaire being played by one guy. How about a cooperative Scrabble? Where you're just trying to get the biggest sum. Yeah, well, of you're, points. Just, you're just trying to make good words. So just dicking around making a crossword puzzle. Yeah. With no clues. Sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> uh, what about uh, lying on a blanket in a park, uh, finding pictures in clouds? That's a pretty good game. Yeah, it's cooperative. Mm hmm. Unless you're like, that's a boat. Yeah, well, it fucking just shoots your giraffe with its cannon. <laughs> that, well, although you wouldn't say that about your opponents, but you, it, hmm. I've, I see. I don't know the rules to this game. <laughs> the boat is also a giraffe, so maybe it is co-op. Schooner. Kevin. Yes. If somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail question, how would they go about doing that? Well, they could tweet us at VG Hot Dog. They could email us vghotdog at gmail.com. Or they could check out our uh, awesome web form, which is on our website at videogameshotdog.com. Gentlemen, I've had an amazing time tonight. 
doing this episode of this video games just podcast like old with you. Times. It is just like old yeah. times. We're in this room with all the weird towels thumbtacked to the blankets. walls. There's way more carpet. blankets and carpet than carpet remnants. Yeah. yeah, more by volume. I don't know by count. There's only two towels. Well, this won't be the first time we've recorded here, and it won't be the last. That's this true. wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last. This isn't the first time, <laughs> and it isn't the last. We'll see you next week on the next episode of Video Games Hot Dog. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to speak Cornish. Uh, you just, uh, you know how uh, Marlon Brando's character at the very end of The Godfather starts speaking orangish? <laughs> oh, okay. You just fill your mouth with corn and do a podcast. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that was not graceful at all.